You are listening to episode number 228 of the Reversing Diabetes with Delane MD podcast. Welcome to Reversing Diabetes with Delane MD, where women who are confused and worried about their type 2 diabetes come to learn strategies to fix it. I'm your host, Dr. Delane Vaughn. Ladies, if you know you are capable of doing badass things at work and for your family, but you're frustrated with why you can't seem to stop eating the chocolate cake, this podcast is for you. Let's talk. Hey there, welcome to the podcast. We have a special episode today with listener Judy, who has agreed to do a coaching call that can be recorded so others can listen to it and hear what it is to be coached. So I hope you enjoy that. Before we get started, I want to remind you that if you are on medications for your type 2 diabetes, please be very careful when you are making the dietary changes that I recommend in this podcast. Those meds have been given to you based on the way you ate in the past, and if you change the way you're eating, you're going to need to change those meds. You're going to want to get in contact with your provider and find out how they want you to share your blood sugar log with them and how they plan to share medication changes with you. If you don't do this, you can get quite sick, including needing hospitalization and possibly having even unfortunate outcomes like death. So please don't take that lightly. And if you are medicated for your type 2 diabetes, please make sure you're contacting your medical provider. And the last thing before we jump into this interview, I want to remind you that you can get my 14 Days to Better Blood Sugars workbook. You can find it on my Instagram profile in the link tree. Actually, there are many different ways for you to get help in that link tree. Everything from registration for webinars to signing up for a reverse your diabetes assessment call to finding this workbook. And it's 14 Days to Better Blood Sugars. It's really, really powerful. I highly recommend you find it. You can download the workbook to your computer and you can start working on it. And before the end of the year, you can have better blood sugars. That's a huge thing. And then I also want to encourage you, if you have any questions, if you're really ready to get started on reversing your type 2 diabetes, set up a reverse your diabetes assessment call. These calls are 45 minute calls for just you and me. We figure out what your biggest obstacles are and why you haven't been able to overcome them. If you're ready to do that and get serious about fixing your type 2 diabetes, set one of those calls up. Again, you can get access to my calendar through that link tree in my Instagram profile. If that sounds complicated to you, and I get it, technology is a deal. So if that's a problem, don't hesitate to email me, delane at delanemd.com. I can get you all of these resources to you through my email also. So just send me an email, delane at delanemd.com, to get the help you need to fix your type 2 diabetes. All right, we're back, and I would like to welcome Judy to the podcast. Welcome, Judy. I'm so grateful you're here to do this for us. Oh, thank you for loving me in. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. So um, we spoke a little bit before we started recording, and so there are a couple of things, questions, kind of science questions, or at least one that I can answer about kind of now that my A1C is normalized, is it okay, you know, to have a, a splurge meal or a joy eat, as I call it, um, and kind of what that looks like. And then um, the other question that you had on those lines is, do you have to break up with food? that's higher in carbs, or can you have it in your life as long as it's kept limited, like not a total breakup? And we'll come back to that one because I do like that question. You always get to decide. So okay. for science, what I do with women in the group is that once, once our fasting blood sugar has stayed below 100 for solid, you know, 14 days in a row, or around 100, you know, and sometimes it's right around 100 for whatever reason, some women will normalize their A1C 
they'll normalize their serum insulin level, they'll normalize their labs. And for whatever reason, their fasting blood sugar just kind of um, hovers around 100, which is fine. Some women drop to 85, that's awesome too. So once you get that kind of consistency in your fasting blood sugar over about two weeks, then what we do is a 75 gram carbohydrate test. So one meal, 75 grams of carbs, any kind wow. of carbs you want, potatoes, sweet potatoes, sundaes, brownies, pasta, whatever you want, really kind of a no holds barred. Um, in fact, I encourage you to have kind of the super processed, the more ultra or highly processed stuff, just because if you're only eating, you know, one, 75 grams of carbs in the form of celery is a whole lot of celery. But two, um, I encourage you to use that thing that you're really like, I am not interested in letting go of that food for the rest of my life. I really would like to find a way I can have that in my life. That's going to be kind of, you know, sometimes we want to only get the good blood sugars. There is far more information in the worst blood sugars you can get. So it's kind of one of those things. Don't hold back. Really let yourself go within that 75 gram limit. And then what you do, you eat the 75 grams, you eat it in one meal, and then you test your blood sugar at 30 minutes, at 60 minutes, at 90 minutes, at 120 minutes. You should see a spike and you should see at 120, it goes down. This goes back to the idea that insulin resistance is not defined by a specific number. It's a functional definition, mean, meaning like it, it is a definition of how well are your cells functioning in the presence of insulin? Are they doing what they're supposed to do when insulin is around? And the only way you know that is by getting a huge surge of insulin and seeing if they're opening up and bringing that blood sugar inside and burning it off. Okay. okay. So that's kind of, you know, can I have a splurge every day? Really, until you see that information, any every day, not you didn't ask every day a splurge, but once in a while a splurge, you won't know if your body, if your biology has kind of healed enough until you get that information, okay? If you're still having fasting blood sugars in the 115 range, you're probably not healed enough. And so if every time that you have a splurge, it's gonna be a step backwards. Not an entire erasing of all the work you've done, but definitely a step backwards, okay? So does that, does that make a difference that I was considered pre-diabetic and not type two diabetic yet? So I don't test my blood mm -hmm. sugar every day. I just have my routine blood work done, you know, with my doctor. So and it is the, harder eighties for, for fasting. What is your A1C been? My A1C went from 6.4 in January mm -hmm. to my last A1C was done um, early summer. And that was at 5.4. Okay. Okay. So we know that still even at 5.4, there might be some insulin resistance, but less likely. Certainly, you know, doctors get excited and want to high five you when you're 5.6, right? And we definitely know that there's probably still insulin resistance there. It right. does make it harder to know because, of course, you can be on the edge, right? And, and this right. function of insulin. So if your cells are pretty healed up and then you eat pasta or a sundae or a brownie or whatever, and you get a huge surge of insulin, 
if your cells are just kind of on that fence, they might get stunned back into insulin resistance. Okay. Okay. And then you have to give your cells time to heal from that before you can go back and, and re-done them or re-challenge them, really. Okay. Well, I, I, I have the capability of testing. My husband tests because he's type 2 diabetic. Yeah. Um, yeah. I share with you um, prior. But um, so he tests his every morning just yeah. to keep track of it. So I easily have access to that. So I could do what yeah, I would that. totally. That's just where you're going to get the most sophisticated information. Okay. Yeah. So basically it's like splurging at 75. I mean, 75 carbs is more than I've been eating in an entire day. Yes. So yeah. when on, um, so doing that, then I should see a recovery within two hours. It should be below okay. 130. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And then you, you can. And so how often, I think is kind of the question, how often can I have a splurge? How often, I call them joy eats. How often can I use food, the mere joy of it, not for any biological function, right? right. And I laughed, I laughed because I watched your podcast on um, breaking up with food. And I, the whole time I'm listening, I'm thinking, yep, okay, yep, I know that, yep, I understand that. Is it okay once you're like leveled off and you're, you're, all your levels are in a really good place consistently for like several months? You know, can you have a one night stand? <laughs> And that's where it's kind of like, where is your brain? Just exactly right. like a oh, one night stand would be, right? Like, right. if you know, talking to the ex-boyfriend then ruminates your brain into everything <laughs> and creates all of it again, like, gosh, you can, but you're going to have to deal with the aftermath of it, right? It's the same thing. I always tell women, like, you can go on vacation, you can go on a cruise, have it all, enjoy it. We can fix it when you come home. Like, there's nothing we can't fix. Mm -hmm. there's nothing that's permanent how much do you want to have the results of that is really what it comes down to and are you sure you understand entirely what you're purchasing what you're exchanging right I'm exchanging having this joyful experience in my mouth and maybe an hour afterwards for for me at least for like three days of jonesing for the food and, and for me a lot of times I'm like that's it's I mean, I'll do it over like the holidays and my birthday. They all go together. So, but come January, man, I'm like, let's get, let's get out of this. I don't like who I am thinking about. I don't like how much energy I spend with that. So, and that's, that's where it's like, you get to decide. Well, and that's where I am right now because mm -hmm. my husband and I had like, I don't know, five, six weeks of special occasions yeah. Um, on the weekends and it was summer and, you know, summer, you kind of let go a little bit anyway, mm -hmm. but those five, six weeks, you know, we just, we haven't been tracking, we haven't been careful. We've been splurging a lot more and everything. And we're just having such a hard time, both of us just getting back on track. And the worst part of it is now I'm craving stuff that I hadn't craved in months. Yeah. Yeah. So tell me what it means when you're off track. Give me hard data. Like I ate processed foods, which you and I think would probably agree that is anything from a bag of box that's, you know, flour based that's got sugar in it. I ate processed foods how many times a week since what time? Give me some hardcore data here. 
I mean, most of it is snacking type stuff. Um, my husband and I are both crazy about ice cream and summer, you know, prime ice cream. And we can sabotage each other. You know, the other, you know, neither one of us is feeling super strong. And the other one's like, oh, ice cream sounds really good. And we both give in. Mm -hmm. um, so it's that kind of thing. Um, it's, it actually hasn't been a lot of like, what I would call like bad eating. We just haven't been tracking as carefully. I haven't been eating as low a carbs and portions have been bigger. So I know my carbs have gone up a lot um, just because we, ha we haven't been as careful with that okay. kind of thing. So it's but, not necessarily like you're down in a box of Twinkies every week or something, but more that no. what carbs are you eating? Um, carbs to us are, well, like I said, popcorn and ice cream are my food nemesis. I mean, I just. How frequently popcorn, are you having popcorn and ice cream in a week? Um, if you put both of those together, how many instances? Probably once or twice a week, which I okay. wasn't at all before. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And popcorn, especially like I just eat too much of it. You know, a little, a little bit is not satisfying to me. They're like, to me, popcorn is like potato chips for some people. Yeah. You know, where they yeah. stop. Where like, we're not really, we don't eat a lot of processed foods other than mm -hmm. that. Um, like, and my husband is addicted to Diet Coke, which I know you can relate to. Um, my people. He tried, to give, he tried to give that up for a while. And now he's on the struggle bus with that. And, yeah. you know, just things like, you know, I had a stressful week a couple Fridays ago and you know I texted my husband and said we're going out for pizza because you know it used to be oh let's go out for a drink after work and just relax well we've cut out mm -hmm. alcohol too mm -hmm. so it's like I just feel like oh my gosh I have like no crutch yeah <laughs> you know, oh okay <laughs> you know and that's part of it it's like oh my gosh food you know, having a drink with my husband and neither one of us were ever big drinkers. So it's not a, like an out of control thing, but, um, you know, have meeting for a drink after work or something and relaxing after a stressful week or having it with dinner or, or, um, you know, just having food as a stress relief was, that was my, that's my, always been my go-to even as a kid. I mean, I've struggled. I mean, you know, my background, I've struggled with weight since I was little. Yeah. And food has always been my comfort. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so I struggle when I'm not drinking and I'm not yeah. supposed to eat stuff. It's like, oh, and I'm stressed. <laughs> yeah. When you're having thoughts that you're off track or that you're not tracking, like what, how does that feel when you have the, um, you know, getting remotivated after being on, on for a while, but after being not on for a while. How does that feel when you think that I need to get remotivated since I've been off track? I feel very much like a failure when I get yeah. off. Yeah. Like I've totally let myself down. And once again, for the millionth time in my life, I've let myself down and I'm a failure. Yes. Yeah. So I, I think that the question, cause that's clearly not going to benefit you, but the question becomes like, why did you go off track? Um, like I said, 
no crutch. Special occasions. Oh, and yeah, yeah, yeah. Early celebrating is a theme for me. Like, you know, I get to a point I had lost 40 pounds since January. My clothes were fitting great. I had some clothes that were too big, were becoming too big. And I was feeling really good. I was actually seeing myself in pictures and thinking, hey, I don't look bad. Like, that's because that's always my my gauge, you know, I feel okay about myself until I see myself in pictures. And I was just to a point where like, I was starting to feel good about myself and what I was doing for myself and my body felt really good. And then it becomes like, a, you know, we went to Chicago for a weekend. It's like, oh, okay, we can splurge because we're going away on a little mini vacation and stuff like that. And then the next week there was something else. And the next week there was something else. And so it was kind of like, um, yeah, so I guess, yeah, for sure. it sounds like there were two phases, like there was an agreement that you were willing to make, like I'm going, like there's these events and I'm going to splurge, I'm going to have, I mean, I did, I was also in Chicago this summer and I ate Chicago pizza because that's what I do. And I have like horrible reaction with gluten, but I'm willing to make that exchange because that pizza is delicious, <laughs> right? Right. So, like you, there's a, there are experiences where you're willing to make an exchange. And it sounds like maybe those six weeks of events, at least on some level, you were willing to make the exchange. Yeah. And I think part of our issue was that there was so much all at once mm -hmm. because there were occasions like my husband's birthday is in May. And so we went out for a nice dinner and, you know, we got dessert and that kind of thing. But then the difference was it was that one occasion then we got right back on track. Yeah. And that was kind of the deal that we made with each other and with, even with our physician, we go to the same doctor, um, the same internist. And that was kind of a discussion that we had with him at our separate appointments that, you know, he was, you know, rah, rah, cheering for our um, success, which was awesome. And he said, now, how are you going to maintain this? Because mm -hmm. it is, you know, what we were doing was quite restrictive and, Mm. Um, so kind of our mental agreement with each other was that, okay, when we have special occasions, we're going to not go crazy, but, you know, let ourselves enjoy food. And then when we have control again at home, we're going to go right back on. And we did really well with that until about the end of July. And so that's what's when been different though. What do you mean? What like happened now? in the end of July that's made it different? So many things. I think we had so many occasions close together that it just kind of became a um, continuous splurge. Mm -hmm. And now we're to the point where, you know, we're both teachers. We're both back to school full time. And um, which is great. It actually makes it easier. Summer being home, I think is harder. Um, there's just too much opportunity where our schedules at school are so busy that, you know, I barely get 20 minutes for a lunch. So, you know, I don't have that temptation, but it is hard because now, like I mentioned before, I'm to the point where now we splurge for so long and those old habits come back so easily okay. that I myself just back in that old habit where, you know, I'm like, okay, tomorrow I'm on again, tomorrow I'm tracking and I write everything down and I get it all figured out. And by six o'clock at night, I've blown it. 
Yeah, why have you blown it? Give me an example of the 6 p.m. at night that you've blown it. I think part of it is returning to the stress of school mm -hmm. and part of it and not having that go-to thing other than food. Like I want to, I want to eat the whole house the second I walk through the door. Yeah. Um, and then the other thing is the cravings are back yeah. after splurge for so long. So my yeah. brain going along with your, your live thing this morning that Today? I listened to, you know, my brain, I'm fighting my brain because my brain mm -hmm. is like, you want that, you want that, Ooh, it'll taste so good. And you need it. You're stressed. You know, my brain is, my brain is winning right now. Yes. So there's a few things going on here. One is, you know, your brain offers you the, the answer to that. You have to answer stress with something and food is the habit and the practice that you have made. So For sure. whenever you have the feeling of stress and you believe you need to fix the stress, your brain is going to always offer you food. What's wrong with being stressed? It's just not a good feeling. <laughs> mm -hmm. Right. And, and I want the relax. feeling and of I being know, just I can probably tell, I can probably guess what the answer is. Yeah. It's just, the feeling of being disappointed voice. though and feeling like you're not on track also not a good feeling no that's true that's your brain is offering you that there is something you can do to feel good about a scenario right and right maybe there are some things you can do but do you think that there is ever going to be a reality where you're not stressed at work no okay so if there's never going to be a reality where that's going to happen, how do you want to manage your stress? I need to find something different when I walk through the door. Yeah. Or, you know, do you need to get really good at feeling stressed? Ah, God, Delaine, you have the worst ideas ever. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to be stressed. <laughs> right. But I would, I would, I would challenge that. I would challenge that because a lot of times we believe we don't want to be stressed, but why you're stressed is because you believe in what you're doing. You're stressed because you care. Yeah. I'll tell you the teachers that aren't stressed, they don't care. They don't care. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That can yeah. happen. You can not be stressed. It's just not the human you're that aligns with your authenticity, with who you are. Mm -hmm. So do you really want to not be stressed about the things that are important to you? No, because I want to care about them. So, so that's, that's probably the, the puzzle for you to solve is like, I want to, I want, I'm going to feel stress here. Like I don't need to make it go away. I can just manage it and, and go about my day, make the planned food that I have make the things that I've already planned out for myself and go from there, carrying the stress. The fact of the matter is the pizza doesn't undo the stress. No, it just tastes so darn good. Yeah, yeah, uh -huh. yeah, yeah. For a minute, it's definitely distracting, definitely distracting, right? But right. the interesting component I want you to see, and this is the funny thing about the brain, even in the summer when you didn't have school, you were struggling. Like that's when the six week party yeah. started. 
that you need the food for stress is a story your brain tells you to keep you eating the food that makes your brain happy. Good point. All right, you get a point on that one. Yeah. <laughs> one point, Delaine. <laughs> I see this in women. You get to decide again, like, and that's why I want you to kind of normalize the idea of being stressed. It's totally okay for you to have a feeling you don't want. It's totally okay. And like, I don't enjoy the feeling, but it is authentic to what's happening in my life, right? Like maybe it's not the best and the most fun feeling, but it's what's really happening. And so am I, you know, can I hold space for that thing that's what's really happening and not try to fix it with something that doesn't fix it and create some disappointment in the future, right? So then do I try to find an alternative thing when I'm feeling that stress, when I get home from work, I think rather that, than, you know, yeah. I, I don't, don't get me wrong. Like, yeah, I walk through the door and it's like, I'll say to my husband, Oh, I just need something to take the edge off. And yeah, I'm eating almonds. I eat, you know, a little cup full of almonds, but the difference is like, I'm eating too many almonds. Like, yeah. I mean, you can have too much of a good thing, right? So even sunshine burns if you get too much. Absolutely. Right. So I would tell you one, I think that the first step is to sit with the feeling, like the feeling of stress and overwhelm, like that I need to take the edge off. I want you to sit with the edge for a while, just so you can see what is really being told there. Like what is really happening? The idea, I mean, sometimes just the acknowledgement, just the saying, the verbalization, even if only in your head, I am edgy because sometimes work is stressful. This is part of the career I've chosen. I choose to be stressed because I care about my job. Just acknowledging that sometimes is enough to dissipate it to give you some release of the intensity of it. And I think that's helpful. Um, so does, and can I ask you physically, does it have to do at all with like my, where my daytime like blood sugar is sitting? Because I, I've been told different things. And, you know, one of my doctors that I had seen suggested, well, maybe you need to eat like, a snack in the middle of the afternoon in between your classes to level things out a little bit or eat, eat something on the way home to level you out a little bit. So when you get home, you're not having that craving that you're not sure of stress or food yeah. related. Does that so, make sense? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And I totally understand what people say and they're not wrong when you're insulin resistant you definitely have fluctuations in blood sugars because your cells aren't responding appropriately. So you'll have super highs and super lows. And that definitely can stimulate some unpleasant physical feelings. If you are not medicated, you are not gonna die from that. Okay. Okay. And the way that I always think about it is 10,000 years ago, if there wasn't almonds available for me to eat after I was done doing the job I had to do and I came back to the hut and I was stressed would I die like would anything bad happen to me right and then I get to this calm place then it's kind of like well absolutely not I'm fine I'm just irritated for me 
stress always comes out of here. I think most things come out, end up <laughs> irritated in my feelings wheel. <laughs> but um, yeah, so that's kind of the thing. Now, if you think something is really truly physically wrong and you don't know, like when I have, I'm trying to think, when I have an anaphylactic reaction, the right answer is to always take my EpiPen. That's a very clear, like I know this is the biology that's happening in my body. I know what's happening. I know how to treat it. I take my EpiPen, I go to the emergency department. That's something you know. If you have something happening in your body and you're like, my biology is wrong and I need to seek out medical care, then you need to seek out medical care, right? But if it's just like, I don't know, am I hungry or am I just irritated? Would food help? Chances are good. That's your brain's clever yeah, little way. It's totally emotional. And I do, I do know that because it's been, that's been my pattern my whole life. Like yeah. even as a kid, I remember, you know, being upset about something and I'd head in and grab a snack off the top of the refrigerator or I was sitting there watching TV by myself. I come from a big family, very busy family. Um, you know, sitting there watching TV by myself, I'm bored. I go in and I grab a snack off the top of the refrigerator. You know, I mean, that's been my whole life is it seems like every emotion is centered around food. How so food remedies it. Is, boredom is, stress yes. is, grief yes. is, everything is centered around food. And it was the food that I would seek out that would make me feel better. Yes. Yeah. And, and it would for a brief time. Yeah. Right. So see that that habit, that habitual component that you talked about earlier is going to come into play here. Have you ever heard me talk about dogs running a fence line? And, no. and, and the group. Okay. So you bring a dog into a yard and it runs the fence line, right? And initially there's grass that goes all the way up to the fence. And then the dog starts running and the fan, the grass gets padded down mm -hmm. and it's flattened out and then it becomes dirt and then it becomes a deep rut, right? From over and over and over and over using that fence line. The connections in our brain that creates thoughts, feelings, and actions, that's actually an anatomical connection in our brain between cells. And the more you use them, the tighter they become, like that groove, the easier it is for your brain to run them. They become very well used. The tighter those connections are, the quicker they run, okay? Like a dog on a fence line, if you put an obstacle in that fence line and suddenly they can't stay on that path, they will awkwardly sniff their way around, sniff their way around. Every time they'll sniff their way around. And over time, they will create a new, you know, padding down the grass, new dirt trail, new groove, right? Your mm -hmm. brain will do this also. If you give yourself an external obstacle to eating that food, which it sounds like somehow like you, you just were hell bent probably January through June that you weren't eating that food and you didn't care what was happening. And you're like, hell no, will not go, right? Like you were a no. And that was the external stimuli that mm -hmm. forced you to awkwardly move around, right? All your brain remembers right now in this phase where you're having a hard time getting remotivated is I seem to do it so easily. You don't remember any of the awkward part, or at least it's not what we're talking about because your brain's like, why can't I go back to doing it, right? Right. What's happened is just like a dog in the yard. If you remove that obstacle, they will go back to the original pathway. You've removed that obstacle for six weeks and you've gone back to the original pathway. 
And now you're like, why can't I go back to the way I was doing it before? Because this is a habit. Your brain's always going to go to this habit. You need to expect this habit to travel side by side with you in your car for the rest of your life. Because it's who you've been for how many decades? Yeah. Okay. So to think that somehow the last six months is going to change a decade. <laughs> of course you're like frustrated, well, right? And that's, that's where the early celebration comes in because. Yeah. 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 I forget what I was going to say, but. Yeah. So. Yeah, that's exactly how this is happening for you. One, you have a belief that stress is, is something that needs to be remedied for you somehow, some way. And, well, so, and I know, now I know what I was going to say with the early celebration, you know, part of the, the really strong pull and motivation from January through June was the fact that because my husband was diagnosed with type two diabetes last year, and he was a hard, having a hard time getting it under control. And he was on meds, they put him on metformin, and he felt horrible on it. And it didn't seem to make a huge difference for him. Um, so in January, we're like, and I was border, you know, I was at, you know, my A1C was 6.4. And my sugar was up to it was like 118 or something like that. Oh, no, 166. Sorry, 166. And it's like, okay, this is an issue for both of us. So we're gonna have to put this on project status and hit it hardcore because this is not how we want to feel. It's not how we want to live. We're worried about our health. And it was like, we were on high alert. And, you know, in that six months, my A1C went to normal. My blood sugar went totally normal. His went down to the point where they took him off metformin. Luckily our, our doc is not big into meds. He is not a med pusher. He's a great guy. And so he was happy to get him off. And he, then my husband was able to just, he was actually, his blood sugar actually went lower eating the way we were eating and regulating things the way we were regulating them went lower than it did when he was on the medication. Yeah. Yeah. So he, so basically we both kind of healed ourselves with what we were doing. And then now because our range is still in that normal range his his blood sugar has gone up a little bit but I think part of it too is the motive the strong motivation and pull isn't there as much because mm -hmm. we feel like we kind of conquered that knowing all too well of course that if we don't stop what we're doing right now we're going to be right back there again well and this is why your doctor asked you what are you going to do to maintain it yeah because you, and this is where getting beneath, getting the why. Here's the, like, I want, I'm like, I want you to sit with stress every afternoon. And I do. <laughs> but the fact of the matter is you're going to have to find some way to take care of these emotions that you have that have nothing to do with food. You're going to have to implement strategies, a walk, music, a dance party, a bath, walking the dog, playing fetch with the dog, hugging your husband you're going to have to find some other way to give you some release and create some um, peace in your life when stress is there. Okay. That is step two. Okay. That's what creates this long-term. 
you can force yourself and coerce yourself to do anything for a year, maybe a year and a half, maybe even three years. But we are grown ass women and I don't want to be forced to do anything, right? anything. Think of how much easier it is to do it when you just want all of it. You don't have to force or fight. It is not exhausting. Right. And there are times I get really, quite frankly, pissed off that it's like, why, why do I, yes. Yes. Why I have to deal with all this when other people are just, you know, enjoying life and eating whatever they want and doing, you know, it, I don't know. It just. So, yeah. So, and, the, and we work on that in coaching. Like we answer yeah. those questions. You tell me, why do you do it? And they don't. Can you answer that? I don't know. With me, I think it's because this is the path I've been on my whole life. It's not a case where like when I, you know, I had a cancer diagnosis 11 years ago, you know, when I went through that and it threw me into early menopause, um, you know, it's not like, oh, all of a sudden I gained all this weight and now I'm having to deal with it and everything. I've been on this path my entire life. And so I, you know, part of it, I've met other people that they haven't had to deal with it. And I met at myself because I kind of set this path for myself. Is that true? You know that. Well, I mean, I'm the one that ate the cookies, right? Everybody eats cookies. (laughs) So here's, there's a couple answers to that. And I think really answering like, why am I doing it this way? And they're not because they don't want to do it your way. There's a part of you that wants the result of not relying on the meds. It's a part of you that wants to stress about your kids at school. There's a part of you that that feels really authentic for you. You're going to have to spend some time with that and let those thoughts and feelings start running the show. (laughs) versus the, I can't deal with the stress. I need a release. Where's the food? I have to fight this desire for food. It's so hard. It's so much work. They don't have to do it. Why do I have to do it? All of that is where you have to force yourself to do something and you won't do it forever. Nobody wants to be coerced to do something for the rest of their life. Right? Right. When you figure out, like, I just, I mean, I could eat the cookies and just be medicated. I could do that. The reality is, is that's probably what everybody will end up being. You look at the studies, nine out of 10 Americans are insulin resistant. So it's not anything special about you, friend, right? This is not what makes you special. There are special things, but this ain't it, right? (laughs) So I think that answering that question feels a lot better than the um, frustration that comes from letting it sit in a question form. Right. Well, and I want, I mean, a big why for me to get back on one, it was a, it was a huge confidence booster. Like I felt good about what I was doing for myself. And two, I felt very in control. And for me, that's a big thing because I'm a control freak. And so feeling like I had control over how my day went and what I planned for myself and everything. I think like I have to get back to the mindset that that felt better 
than the ice cream I had two nights ago tasted. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Part of it is getting back to that mindset and that's fun. Like there's an, um, there's like a newness to it when you're first experiencing it. And that newness, that novelty is just really fun for humans. We like new things. Some point that is going to wear off and you're going to have to do it for a different reason other than it's exciting. Because like I said in the Facebook Live today, it is boring AF. I'm so, so, that's the other thing. We're so sick of eating the same stuff over and over again. It's interesting, but you would not be sick of eating the pizza over and over and over again, or the popcorn over and over and over again, or the ice cream. But we tell ourselves, like, I don't have any variety. Well, I don't have any variety. I mean, I always got the same ice cream too. Always. Like there was no variety there. Good point. (laughs) That's a story we tell ourselves. So I would encourage you, one, to start to spend time with stress and start answering these questions that your brain brings up to you. Why do I have to do this? You know, why do I have to eat this way all the time? It's so boring. Start answering those. And then after you get some really good clarity about why I'm feeling stressed, why I'm thinking this way, then you can start to decide whether you want to keep it or not. Because it's always all the thoughts are optional. Like, and some of them I want to keep. Like, some of them are cruddy and I want to keep, right? <laughs> like, they're all optional. And some of them I want to keep. And some of them I don't. And so that's where you then start to kind of get different ways of dealing with it. Okay. The other thing I want to encourage you, whereas your brain has wrapped up, especially from a lifetime of this this yo-yo, this experience of striving and striving and striving to get control over this eating, your brain has built up that all the fun, all the jazz hands in the world come with food. The gift of this work, at least where I'm concerned, The gift of this work is the robustness that you add to your life from no longer relying on food to do all those things. Okay. Start thinking of you five years from now, weight where you want it, no risk of diabetes. You've been, you've had a normal A1C for three years running. You don't struggle with it. It's just real steady Eddie, even Steven. What are you doing day to day? How do you handle coming home from work stressed? How do you handle when you're bored? What are you doing? That's where you're going to find a lot of answers to some of the questions that you're having. Is that helpful? Very. Very. What do you think about all that? Yeah. It's, yeah. You, you hit on a lot of important points of the emotionalness of, for me, for eating. You know, it's, it's so key and always has been for me. Um, yeah, I'll have to think through what, what I replace that with and how I deal with those emotions without grabbing that cup of almonds. And even give yourself permission. Like I said, like maybe I don't need to do anything about it. Maybe I can just sit and feel this way. Maybe that's not going to actually be the end of me. Nobody's going to actually spontaneously combust. I feel no. feeling. <laughs> but our brain presents it to us like something like that might happen, you know? Right. So, um, yeah, give yourself permission, again, to feel awkward so you can start reconnecting some different neural grooves, okay? Um, 
yeah, let me know how that goes. Yeah, and I love I love your dog perimeter analogy. To me, that just I can that just makes so much sense. Yeah. So I when have you... to I have to put up that barrier and start looping around again. <laughs> yeah, and recognize like a lot of times you won't even know the emotional cause of what's driving you to whatever food it is unless you give yourself the expectation that you're not going to eat it. Right. If you know when you come home tonight or whenever that you're not going to have a handful of almonds, no matter how stressed you are, like there's a million dollars on the table. If I don't eat those almonds, I'm not doing it. You're going to become very clear in the evening about what emotion is there. Okay. So maybe last time it was just, there was so much focus or honestly, I'm sure that you felt stressed last time and you just like felt it. It's just in your brain, the memory of doing it was way easier than actually doing it today, right? Right. So lean into that, see what's there, and answer your questions that your brain gives you. Sound good? Sounds great. Anything else to add? I don't think so. Thank you so much for your time. Absolutely. Absolutely. I just want to thank you so much for being so willing to um, be vulnerable in the space so that everybody else can benefit from it. Because I think that this is a very, very common experience for women who are struggling with this. So I appreciate you so much. You bet.